Welcome to the Life Science and Marketing Podcast, where we discuss marketing and career insights and tips with leading experts from across the globe. Let's join our host, Paul Avery, CEO of Biostrata, as he chats with our next Life Science Marketing guest. Today, I am joined by Noah Koenig. I've known Noah for quite a few years these days. We met um, many moons ago when Noah was working at Cambridge Cognition, a very interesting company where Noah had a number of marketing roles. He was a great fit for that business because he come, comes to us today as, a, as one of our marketers with a science background, having done a degree at Keele University that was a combination of psychology and marketing, which is very interesting. And I definitely want to dive into that a bit later. These days, Noah is plying his trade as the marketing director at Precision Life. Thank you so much for joining me today, Noah. Thank you, Paul. Good to be here. Thanks for the invite. Well, we're very excited to get into the conversation with you today. Why don't we get started by you just bringing your story to life for the listeners beyond the, the very short LinkedIn-driven ramble I've given. Yeah, put some meat on the bones for us. Well, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's see what else is there beyond beyond that. Um, so you've hit the, the the high points. I think the uh, I've spent the last twelve years or so of my career. Well, actually, my I've spent my entire career in marketing, um, which is sixteen years or so. But the last twelve years of that in the life sciences. Um, so I'm sure we'll get into that a bit in the the podcast. Um, now at Precision Life, um, and I can talk a little bit about how I got. To where I am now, which is a very good place to be. Um, but beyond that, uh, I've um, recently had the the real surprise and um, privilege of of being uh, named the Life Science Marketer of the Year by the uh, SAMPS Awards, which is the Association for Sales and Marketing Professionals in Science, um, which was a, a real honour and, as I said, a, a real real shock. Um, but hopefully it means I, I know a little bit about what I'm going to be talking about. Um, but I definitely consider myself, as, as I think all of us do in, in life sciences and, and especially in marketing in life sciences, uh, a real sort of learner and some developing all the time. Uh, and outside of work, I like all the usual things, um, music, play a bit of guitar, like reading a good thriller, watching a good thriller, mainly thrillers um, for some reason. Uh, and uh, a big fan of sports, and for, for my sins, I, I follow the trials and tribulations of, of Cambridge United and, and Leeds United, which keeps me grounded and um, perpetually disappointed as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a double pain for our it is. for our listeners, perhaps not in the UK. <laughs> they're two um, football teams, soccer teams, we should yeah. say, that um, are quite often in a battle to stay in the division they're in. Let's let's be honest. Now, is that fair? Yeah, I don't, don't, don't like the easy routes. Um, yes. Um, and uh, I think that's very fair. And I, I, I live in Cambridge in the UK. Um, that's how I think we, we met many, as you say, Paul, many moons ago, um, but working with, with your agency um, quite a while back now. Um, but uh, we've known each other for a while. Um, and Cambridge is a great place to be, as, as I'm sure you'll attest to. It's, it's particularly in life sciences. It's a real hub. Uh, I heard recently it being um, said, and I think this is fair, 
that we often, um, the stereotype is often in the UK that we're a bit more, um, we, we don't often talk up as much uh, about our, our skills and capabilities. And I think if, if you placed Cambridge in the UK um, in other parts of the world, perhaps there might be a, a bigger deal made out of it. It's a real fantastic hub for, for science and technology uh, and, and been a real contribution to, to, to my career, um, certainly as it's been today. I agree. It's such a cool place to be in terms of the cool technology and science that comes out of a number of different areas, obviously, especially the university, but not only. And things like the Science Park, we just have so many cool companies. I mean, we've also got behemoths like Arm here, right? So it's, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, I want to dive into that degree a bit more. That's right. Now, I realized it was a few, even more moons ago than when we met. Um, but what sort of drove you to do that combination degree? I, until I saw your background, I didn't even know it existed. And I've got to be honest, if I had have known, I would have been quite interested by it. So, yeah, wh why did you choose it? And what was it, you know, what did it entail? Mm. Great question. I mean, it's, it was a, a, a fantastic um, degree, or it was a sort of dual honours degree, as they call it. So effectively, it's two, you're doing two degrees at the same time. Um, and naively... I, I didn't even realize this until after I completed the, the degrees. Um, no, I thought it was sort of you doing half of a psychology and half of a marketing degree. Um, but it's actually two, two degrees. Um, but I was, uh, I think I'd put it down to just not being decisive enough at the point where I had to make a decision about what I wanted to study at university. Right. It was as simple as that. I, I studied psychology, um, just before going to university to my, uh, sixth form at school college, um, and also marketing and communications enjoyed both and had no idea which way I wanted to go and found that uh, it's a Keele University, which is a great place to study, had this opportunity to do both in, in a dual honours degree. So went for that um, and absolutely loved it. It was a great place to learn. But also uh, looking back, I, often people will say that the thing is often you get out of university, the best things are sort of the, the experiences that you have and not everyone gets to, to use necessarily what they've studied in in the, their field of work, um, but I was very fortunate in that to be able to take both. And uh, I see both the marketing side of the degree and also psychology in use almost every day in, in what I do. Um, probably, uh, funnily, the the psychology side even more so because uh, it's you know learning about uh, human behaviour, um, empathy, uh, the way in which we. Uh, respond to certain um, to certain things. The use of statistics, uh, analysis, collecting, and you know, generating, and then interpreting data, um, performing research—all those things are, are, are skills that you have to learn um, as part of uh, a science degree, part of a psychology degree. Uh, and of course, all those things can be uh, are very highly relevant to, to marketing um, today. So. Yeah, stood me in good stead uh, and uh, really enjoyed it. What was your um, what was your favourite bit about the psychology degree? Like, what, and what sticks out in your mind that you remember learning and thinking, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah, um, it wasn't 
the um I, I don't even know if it's still used, but there's a, a tool called S, SPSS. I don't know if you're familiar Statistics with it. Statistics tool, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it certainly wasn't that. I, it's, I, I remember it very well, um, but it wasn't that. Uh, thankfully, there's, there's much better statistical analysis tools available to, to marketers nowadays. Um, but the, the thing that I enjoyed most was the, I think, the neuroscience, the neuropsychology element. So sort of how our behaviors and our, our cognition relate to the brain and the rest of the nervous system. Um, I'd not really been uh, or really focused on, on, on the sort of the more scientific side of or the biology of, of, or psychology before that. And so that was a real eye-opener and I, I was deeply fascinated by that. Um, and I think that was that probably that first initial spark of, of really the, the hard sciences and, and wanting to, to to learn more and, and to be more involved in, in that, that, that field, that discipline. Very cool. Well, from there, you transitioned into a number of interesting marketing roles at companies doing a variety of cool stuff. Um, what's sort of been the most interesting product or business that you've worked on or project that you've worked on and sort of what made it stand out to you? Yeah, um, I think there's... There's many. Um, I remember my very first after leaving university, uh, and it was not a, at a great time. It was during the, a time of global financial uh, meltdown. Um, so there was a lot of competition for, for jobs. And I was very fortunate to, to work in a small um, creative agency here in Cambridge. Um, but they were very niche and they were working with some very big, big clients. Um, it got me to, to be able to do things that in a, a bigger company, um, I just would not, not have had the opportunity to do you know, running comms programs for, for the likes of, you know, big blue chip companies like Barclays and, and uh, BT. Um, so that was a great bit of exposure. But then when I, when I first started, moved into life sciences, it's just a, a whole other world of innovation um, and um, discoveries that I'd had no idea it even existed, uh, and so much uh, new things that were happening. I think at Cambridge Commission, they were very smart in, um, despite being a relatively small uh, company at the time when I first joined, they'd siphoned off a, a part of the business to really just focus on R&D. Uh, and they've still got some, some friends and colleagues in that department doing some incredible things. And some of the things we worked on there were way ahead of their time you know, using um, voice recording technology to, to look for biomarkers in um, sound waves of your voice to, to pick up um, signs of um, signs of potential uh, cognitive decline um, or, um, or psychological um, conditions, uh, neuropsychological conditions too. So that was really cool. Um, and also using um, new technologies like smartwatches, um, wearable tech to be able to test and monitor people more regularly uh, in clinical trials. So that was, that was a, a really exciting project and, and involved uh, a lot of cool marketing disciplines and new product launches. Uh, we had um, a whole new brand uh, to launch as, as well and, and joint ventures. So that was a, just a great uh, marketing uh, project, but also mm. really fascinating, fascinating science as well. Yeah, it's funny when I when I 
obviously that's when we started working together and following your journey since then. The last couple of years, when I look at the companies you've worked at, it's like cool science upon cool science upon cool science <laughs> every turn. Um, I don't know if you want to speak a bit to some of the other roles that you've had and some of the science that's been going on at places like Congenica and, and Precision Life, because it's a it's a tour de force in all the leading industry science areas. Yeah, I was, I, I'm really fortunate in that regard. Uh, I think we're, we're both you know, fortunate and I don't want to speak for you, Paul, but we working in this space um i mean i myself i know you paul you've you you studied molecular biology um you've got a bit more of a, a, a background in within within science but um you know i didn't study that i'm a bioinformatician um so i often feel very fortunate that the industry has <laughs> has sort of taken me on um, and that i've been able to to make a career within the within the, the sector um but yeah it's it's a great place to be and it's just so much innovation i think the when i left by the time i left cambridge cognition i'd been there you know a good six years and the business had, had changed dramatically um but i left knowing that i wanted to to maintain or to continue my career within life sciences um and that was it then for me that that i would remain so uh I had a great opportunity to to join Congenica, which, similar to Cambridge Cognition, was at a stage of of growth, really looking to um, commercialise a fantastic piece of technology. Uh, for those that, that don't perhaps know, Congenica is based on the Wellcome Sanger Institute, which in itself is a brilliant place um, where huge amounts of uh, genetic genomic discoveries uh, are made just outside of Cambridge, um, and doing hugely important work. Uh, to take some of this huge genomic data, um, analyze and interpret it for um, health providers like the NHS in order to uh, diagnose um, and provide clinical decision support for rare disease um, and some, some can cancers as well. Um, so, yeah, that was a really um fascinating area very different from the work that i was doing at cambridge cognition which was much more sort of clinical trial drug development focused this was more in the clinic um and uh, in primary and secondary care and then from there moving now to precision life which uh is going back into sort of earlier drug discovery clinical development but also has aspirations in in healthcare too um and yeah you said sort of cool science upon cool science upon cool science I think it's a criteria for now, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to, when I'm looking for, for roles, think about, you know, what do I want from, from the, the role that I'm going to be moving into? And that's definitely a big part of it, something that really interests and excites me. And there's no shortage of that uh, at Precision Life. It's amazing the work that they're doing and the efficiency that they're doing it with. We've got a small team, great company culture, um, but the mission um, and the science behind that mission is uh, it's, it's next level. It's, it's got huge implications for improving the lives of millions of people. Um, and uh, it's, it's just a, a real honor to, to be part of it and part of the, the, their journey's growth. Is, can you share any of the detail, uh, details around what you're doing? There? I mean, I know it's very innovative, so you probably have to be a bit, bit careful, but I think if you could help the listeners understand a little bit of what Precision Life's trying to achieve, I think, yeah, I think that would be great. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the we're we're trying to tackle a, a challenge which um, which the the I suppose genetic medicine, genomic medicine uh, started twenty odd years ago, and that is to effectively to to take precision medicine but make it uh, applicable to all disease. So beyond rare disease and cancer, where it's mainly um, focused at the moment, and into um, very complex, common diseases uh, like dementia, diabetes, uh, asthma, respiratory diseases, uh, autoimmune cardiovascular diseases as well. Uh, And these, these, these illnesses or chronic diseases account for about 80, over 80% of healthcare spending uh, and affect billions of people. But because of their complexity, uh, precision medicine hasn't, hasn't yet really had um, a, a, a huge impact in that area. And that's what uh, Precision Life is, is doing. So we've got a, a platform which is able to look for the combinations of factors which are driving someone's disease um, and, and segment, so stratify, speaking marketing rather than science, stratify <laughs> um, patient populations in, based on the nature of their disease. So you could right. look at Alzheimer's, for example, um, a group of a thousand patients with a, an Alzheimer's diagnosis, but we're able to identify within that 1,000 patients, there may be 300 or so whose Alzheimer's is driven by this combination of genes genetic factors and environmental factors uh, and will respond to treatment A, whereas these 400 patients will respond to treatment B and drug target, uh, this, this other drug target. So it's taking precision medicine and applying it to these, these highly complex diseases, which has huge benefits for, for drug discovery and development, de-risking um, clinical trials and um, the early stages of target selection. But then also in the clinic, you know, be able to diagnose much more accurately and match patients to the uh, the most effective treatments uh, first time round. It's uh, and that's in a nutshell what we're doing. But across um, around about fifty disease areas at the moment, wow, and that's growing. Um, so every month we're able to analyze a couple couple of new um, indications. That is so cool. There's a couple of things that that I really take away from what you said there. No, the first is having to be able to speak science and marketing, right? Which is two very distinct vocabs that we have to be able to understand and and move between, which I think is one of the great pleasures, but one of the great challenges of being a live science marketer. And we'll come on to that in a bit more detail in a moment, but also why it's so exciting to work in the life sciences. Like when, especially given your career, but I think from, for a lot of us in the life sciences, when we look back in 10 to 20 years, some of the technologies, services and products that we help take to market to improve the diagnosis of people with dementia or in the case of Precision Life, really understanding the emergence of these different diseases and those factors you described to be able to intervene earlier and make people's lives better. That is a good reason to get up in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Um, and I mean, the... the for me, and I've I've thought this to myself, and 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 said it to to many you know friends, family, and 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 um, colleagues as well, and had opportunities to go back to um, previous places where I was you know, schools and, and university to to speak to, and always I'm 
the, the thing that I come away with is, is, is just telling people I can't recommend uh, a career in whichever discipline, you know, whether it's marketing or, uh, or, or others, you know, finance or sales or anything um, in the life sciences because it has that aspect of you're doing some something that's really not just interesting but important um, and uh, you that's that's so valuable um, to, to certainly to me and um, but I'm sure to, to many people in, in terms of what drives you and motivates you in your in your day-to-day job I love that I'm probably going to steal that as a video snippet about why it's so cool to work in the life sciences well put no let's um Let's move to marketing for a bit. We touched on a little bit there. We talked about some cool science, some of the projects as well, but also where some of the challenges lie in terms of the vocab and things. What do you think for you is the hardest thing about science marketing and and how have you overcome those challenges that they've come up? Yeah, I mean, there's many. I think um, many of them, I'm sure, apply to you know, marketing across many different industries and disciplines um i suppose specific to life sciences um i think in a way some of the basics uh the basics and the the foundations of marketing which apply to just about every industry uh, and every role but basics of positioning segmenting your market uh, reaching your audience in life sciences are incredibly challenging um because it's such a complex industry um the the technologies that you're working with are often um deeply complex in you know complex concepts um complex value propositions uh, complex technology um and so being able to understand those those concepts to a, a point where you're able to distill the the real what's the value of this how best to position it in the market, how best to communicate and help how, how to reach your audience. You know, particularly um, at the moment, you know, our, our prime um, audience is um, in, in drug discovery and you're trying to reach a relatively small number, very influential, incredibly busy, smart, talented um, people throughout the, um, throughout, throughout drug discovery from sort of initial, um, target discovery and translational medicine uh, and then in clinical development as well so being able to get your message right get that message in front of the right people um, and at the time when it's going to be most appropriate that's incredibly challenging i know it is in all industries but i think in life sciences it has that added level of complexity um which which i think adds to the challenge adds to the, the enjoyment of it but uh yeah, that's it. It's it's a constant, um, constant battle. I agree. Segmenting, positioning, and reaching—right, three fairly big challenges. I think if we went through all of them, this podcast would need to be four hours long. Let's choose. Um, let's choose reaching because I think, I think that is a conundrum that a lot of us face. The other two big conundrums as well. But I suspect some of the listeners, especially those a bit earlier in their career, would love to know how you've solved some of the reaching problems over the years. And that might be for Precision Life, but it might have been in in other roles as well. How have you gone about figuring out the right way to reach some of these people? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll caveat and say I wouldn't necessarily say I've 
I've solved it. <laughs> well, if you if you've done that, then I definitely want to know. And we're not recording that because that's got to be our secret. But yeah, yeah. how do you go about incrementally trying to improve it? <laughs> well, yeah, very well put, sir. Um, yeah, good question. I think the it again it comes back to the basics in a way. Um, uh, it's it's understanding your audience as best you possibly can. Being um, for me, being not being a scientist and coming from that industry initially, um, and sort of growing within the industry, um, it's a lot about listening and 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 being humble and and trying to to know what makes the audience tick, what is going to be of interest to them. I think a great um, way is to to really put yourself um, physically in the shoes of some of your audience. So I love to to go to. Um, scientific conferences, um, be they large uh, international ones or, or, you know, in Cambridge, we're very fortunate to have a, a thriving science scene, of course. So there's plenty of things going on here on our doorstep, you know, maybe smaller events. But being able to um, go to those, uh, hear some of these key opinion leaders, experts in their field, who are the types of people that we're looking to to reach out to and get in front of, hearing um them present and, and present their work, but also trends in the industry. It's a great way to understand and think of new concepts of, of content pieces that might be of um, interest um, and of, uh, of, uh, of new ways to really um, engage their, their, or get their attention and, and engage with them. Um, so that's, I think one way, and, and it's it's that's the, the start of the process, knowing what it is that, or having a good idea as to what's going to be interesting to your audience, and then there's just now a plethora of ways of of delivering that message. So, being able to um, figure out the best the best channels really to deliver it, and there's so many as as you know, Paul. Um, some of the more traditional channels, I think, are still very very effective in life sciences. Um, I don't know to the extent in other industries, but we mentioned scientific conferences, absolutely essential to the work that we do at Precision Life, whether it's to be able to go to partnering meetings and get face-to-face with people or to present your, your science and, 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 and grow your credibility. Um, but then also PR um, and in the, in the scientific media, again, lots of weight on that. Peer-reviewed publications, incredibly important. Um, but you know, not everyone spends all their time at conferences or reading peer-reviewed papers. So then we have to also think of ways that we can engage them outside of that and you know, write down for the small um, small messages that we post perhaps on LinkedIn or advertising that's targeted there. Um, so having a good breadth across different channels, but making sure that it's um, you've also got the those um, more traditional uh, methods covered too. I think is really important to, to what we do. I love that. Now, there's so many pearls of wisdom in that. I think when we go to trade shows, as marketers, we often end up at the, uh, or so, sorry, I should say, when we go to events, as marketers, we often end up at those that have a trade show, right? And then we often end up on the trade show floor, which is a very valuable place to be, but we're not in those conference spe- um, speaking sessions where I think there's huge amounts of value to be gained that you just described. So I think especially for up and coming marketers that are listening to this, that's a bit of a, a bit of a hack that most of us don't make time for, but we can get the types of value that you describe. So I love that tip. 
also on the traditional tactics, that's been our experience as well. I think if you come into our industry from outside and you're used to running a playbook that involves Google ads, paid social, I think those things can work really well in the life sciences in certain contexts, and they probably should be part of the mix. But those traditional tactics don't have to deliver great value. They're not as sexy, perhaps, as the latest programmatic advertising solution across Google Display Network. But the, the life science media, both through earned PR and paid advertising and conferences, as you said, can be a great way to reach those niche audiences. Yeah, absolutely agree. What about um, other marketing tips that you'd pass on to others over that sort of decade plus career so far? What's your top couple of tips you'd pass on to other marketers, do you think? Ooh, um, I think things that stand out to me um, that sort of I perhaps was, was pearls of wisdom that were passed on to me early in my career. And I've had some fantastic um, people to learn from throughout, throughout my career, which I'm really grateful for. Um, then the main one really is 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 quite simple. It sounds quite simple, but it's communication. You know, Over communicate, um, I would always say. Um, and by that I mean bringing people on your journey with you. You know, if you're running a campaign or a promotion, or um, you know, sometimes it's it's you know, marketing takes a lot of, can take can take time and can take a lot of strategic effort. To, to run a, a, a campaign across multiple channels that can run for, for many months. Um, make sure that your team, your company, um, as well as obviously your market, know what you're doing um, and understand why you're doing it, how you're going to measure it, what you're going to um, potentially be able to change as you learn about how well it's going. Um, I think there's a danger in that um, no one necessarily, people often don't really fully appreciate um, what marketing is or the value it can provide or all the different things that you're doing. Um, it can be a bit of a dark art. You can sometimes get pigeonholed in sort of um, the, the coloring in and the events department. You don't want that. Uh, and the way you can avoid that is, is by really um, communicating what you're doing and taking the sale on that journey with you, reporting regularly, over-communicating um, with your team and with your, with your company. Um, because a little bit of knowledge can be dangerous and everyone knows a little bit about marketing um, because everyone's, everyone's marketed too. Yeah. Um, so making sure that um, you, you, you're bringing people on that journey is really important and will also make your life a lot easier because you get less, less questions, less um, skepticism about perhaps budget spend or, or where you're spending your time, what you're spending your time doing. Um, but also just helps to, to build your own credibility. Um, because I think, you know, particularly in life sciences, I'm sure in other areas too, uh, we sometimes do ourselves the service in marketing. It takes a real um, skill uh, and a little talent to, to do it well. It's, it's both uh, a science and it's an art. Um, and I think sometimes we, we uh, underplay the value and the skill set that we have. And I see that a lot. In, in colleagues that I've worked with and, and team members. But uh, I think um, the more you can communicate what you're doing, the better it is for, for yourself and, and for your company and your standing within your company. Yeah, I love that. You've got to get the buy-in of the team around you, often senior leadership if they are um, 
don't come from a marketing background themselves or maybe haven't seen the power of marketing. I think that's absolutely critical. I also agree. I have to admit, because I don't have the benefit of formal marketing training like the degree that you had coming out of science as a postdoc, I thought marketing was advertising. I thought those two terms meant the same thing, which, of course, they don't. And I also thought advertising meant selling things to people that they don't really want, right? So you can understand how some cynicism, especially in the sciences, builds up around marketing. But it's a discipline of connecting people with a problem, with the right solution for them that's going to derive value for them. And then communicating in a way that people can find and understand that solution so that they can bring it into whatever it is they're trying to do. And when you think about it like that, not only is it a major commercial driver for business success, there's actually an element of aspiration to it, right? Marketing done well is not getting people to buy things they don't want. It's the opposite. It's delivering value to people, building long-term customer relationships because you've got a solution for a niche group of people that are really going to benefit from it. it. Took me a long time to, well, it didn't, it didn't take me long to learn it, but it's funny that I got to nearly age 30 before I realized it. And uh, I think that because that, understandings probably of marketing is poor in a lot of areas we've got a lot a lot of work to do Noah and I think that over communicating part is probably one of the reasons you've been so successful grand you taught mentorship Noah I'm going to ask you now to mentor yourself right if you could go back in time 10 years 15 years what bit of professional advice would you give to yourself mm. <laughs> probably lots um, <laughs> I think that the, the overriding one, though, for, for me would probably be just to, to tell myself not to worry. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to believe in yourself um, and it'll all be okay. Um, you know, I think the, uh, there's, for me, and I, I, I don't know if it's the same for, for a lot of others, I know that um, many other um, colleagues that I've worked with, many of the, the team members that I've, I've had the privilege of working with to um, say the same, but I've, always had and continue to have this sense of imposter syndrome. And I don't know if that's because coming from outside of sciences and not, you know, um, not, not, um, not coming in with a, a PhD or, or studying, um, you know, the, the, um, biology or, or, or what have you, but, um, always having that sort of imposter syndrome and, and always having also that fear of being fired, you know, that never goes away right. <laughs> of, you know, what if this campaign doesn't work or, or um, what if we don't achieve uh, our, our goals this year? Um, and those goals, you know, are always changing and you've always got new, new things to aim for. Um, and that can be, can be scary. Um, and it can be intimidating to work with so many experts um, and incredibly intelligent people. But you have to remember as well that, you know, for me in my field and certainly within my company, I'm the expert. Uh, that's why, you know, there's a reason why people have put their trust in me in this role. And that applies to anyone in, in marketing, in life sciences. You're there for a reason. You have a very distinct skill set, which probably no one or very few other people in your company have. Um, so, yeah, believing in yourself um, uh, and, and having that confidence is going to be okay. But then at the same time, I worry if I was to tell myself that perhaps I might get complacent um, because I think it's that fear that drives you as well and keeps you grounded and keeps you hungry too. Well, and I think that's just a perfect description of why you got to find that middle road because a, a bit of imposter sy syndrome, I think, 
is helpful for keeping you humble, keeping you learning, driving future performance. But of course, if you lack confidence too much, you're not going to take certain risks. You're not going to push yourself forward. And you've kind of got this weird paradox of needing to do both of those things, isn't it? And we've got um, the seven core values that underpin the culture at Biostrat. And one of them is be a modest expert, which listening to you speak, I couldn't help but think that that the alignment between those things, because we are the experts in our companies when it comes to this particular discipline, but liaising with our teammates in that modest way, balancing a bit of self-confidence with a bit of imposter syndrome is a very good mix, I would think, for building strong relationships and getting the best results. Right. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, Noah. I know there's going to be loads of insights there for our listeners to to take away. If people will be interested to get in touch with you after this, because you've said something that makes them think, oh, I need to chat with Noah about that. How is, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah. Um, I was about to say I'm on Twitter, but I'm not sure what we call it now. Um... <laughs> yeah. By the time this podcast goes out, it may not even exist at all. It may have a different yeah. name. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I am on there, um, but I'm, I'm I'm actually not as as active on there as I, I used to be. More so with work. I'd say the best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Um, you can just search for Noah Koenig. There's there's not too many of us. I'm I'm probably one of the I'm the bald one on on there. Um, so search me out on there. Ping me a message. Always very happy to to chat, um, particularly with with other marketers. Um, and happy for people to email me as well if there's any questions. And it's simply Noah at precisionlife.com and very happy to to again help anyone who's who's on their journey in their career um and give them any support to the account i absolutely love that thanks again for your time now i really really appreciate it and i'll look forward to catching up with you soon brilliant thank you paul thank you very much thank you for listening to the life science and marketing podcast for your regular dose of cutting-edge life science marketing insights, don't forget to subscribe. Join us again in two weeks for another engaging expert discussion.